Welcome to the Pure Creative Force Podcast. I'm Christy McNabb, your host. There's a pulse of creativity running through each of us. It's our job to honor and activate it. Creativity is the antidote to the ills, struggles, and challenges we see in our lives and the world around us. The act of creating and bringing forth something new dissolves the old and useless ways. Join us and discover how to unleash the pure creative force within. Hear from fellow creators about their process and learn how to keep elevated. Be inspired to go create. Today's interview is with Cara Thomas, founder of Serenflipity. Serenflipity is a game that helps you get out of your comfort zone and makes it fun and easy to see what happens in your life when you do things differently. These 30 adventure cards connect you in crazy new ways. Maybe you'll have a breakthrough. Maybe you'll uncover the secret to love or simply make a stranger's day. Serenflipity is rooted in behavioral science and in real experience. After more than 10 years inventing award-winning products for Fortune 100 companies, Cara built this deck and game to help her get unstuck after a breakup and re-inspired at work. Listen to our interview and see how Cara discovered how adventure and playfulness led to breakthroughs with her clients and in every area of her life. Be inspired to bring serendipity, real human connection, and adventure to your life. Here's our interview. Welcome to the Pure Creative Force podcast, Kara. Thank you so much. It's so exciting to be here with you. So tell us a little bit about um, Serenflipity. You say it started with a one-way ticket to India, a mantra from a rock star, and a passion to get unstuck. Yeah, so my journey to begin Serenflipity started, it was actually, I guess it was probably in 2012. I was stuck at the time and I honestly had no idea I was creating a business. I was just creating a little travel adventure for myself to get unstuck and get out of my comfort zone and feel the joy of being alive again. So back in the fall of 2012, I was working for an amazing company. I was doing consulting work, kind of working all the time, living on a plane. And despite the outsides and things that looked really great, I was feeling a little bit lost and stuck inside. And at the same time, I had gone through a breakup, which as we know from our friend Taylor Swift, uh, breakups can be the biggest catalyst for creativity. So I was sort of in this place of what was in my life wasn't working. Some things were being removed. I was having a lot of questions about where I was going, what I was doing. And I had the opportunity to take a three-month sabbatical from my job. So it took a while, but I um, said yes to the opportunity. And I knew that for me, I wanted the trip to be something that would help me explore myself a little bit more and also help me to connect with other people and bring in this sort of spirit of spontaneity, if you will. I think being an A-type New Yorker, working so much, being in a you know, very consulting business-driven role, I'd lost connection with spontaneity and lost connection with sort of those quirky human moments because I think my my head was in a computer all the time. So I really wanted to have an experience of that human joy again, if you will. 
So I booked a one-way ticket to India and convinced 90 people to write 90 adventures for me to do while I traveled by myself. And the rules of the adventures were that they had to evoke an emotion. It had to be something I could do anywhere in the world. And it had to be something that wouldn't get me arrested. And that was a very important piece of criteria (laughs) to add in. And a friend of mine wrote them into a deck of cards and my friends threw me on a plane to India with a giant backpack that probably weighed more than I did. For some reason, I brought high heels with me. I don't know why you bring high heels on a sabbatical, but you never know where you'll end up. So it was like sneakers, backpacking gear, like a pair of high heels, which kind of got thrown out halfway through the trip as I realized my, um, uh, they, they weren't really needed. So I basically embarked on this adventure and what ended up happening was my life completely changed. I think my attitude towards how I viewed the everyday started to open up and I started to connect with people and I started to feel the power of spontaneity and what can happen when I open myself up to possibility versus trying to control outcomes all the time. And at the end of that trip, I thought I just had a fun adventure. I ended up asking Steven Tyler for a mantra, which was very random. And I had all these kind of quirky, crazy, serendipitous moments. And someone at the end of my trip who was a new friend suggested that I turn this project into a product that could help other people find more of that spontaneity, find the magic of travel wherever they were, and, you know, create those moments any day without having to get on a plane to India. So that was sort of the beginning of Serendipity and how it started. It really started with this desire to to almost feel again and really like root myself into humanity and exploration. And it ended up, I guess, changing me so much that it became a calling to bring that spirit to other people. So amazing. And just out of curiosity, what was the mantra from Steven Tyler? The only way to get to the other shore is to lose sight of the one you're on. That is so cool. (laughs) It's a good one. It's honestly, it's been my mantra, not just for that day, but for the past five years. And I think about leaving my consulting job, moving, actually moved to Singapore during this period. And then I moved to Los Angeles where I've been for three and a half years. And every time I just think of that mantra of being willing to lose sight of the things that I know that I'm comfortable with, to be that little boat in the ocean, sort of like, I'm not sure where I'm going, but I know the other shore is somewhere and I've just got to keep paddling. And, you know, there might be some turbulence, there might be some some tempests, but as long as I keep going and I'm willing to lose sight of the old things and keep my focus on future things and continue to take action, it's going to work out. Yeah. Amazing. So why do you think Serenflippity took off and people really resonated with people? Funny, I've done a lot of consumer interviews and I've talked to a ton of people. Part of my process is really understanding my consumer. I bring in a lot of the work I did as a consultant for big companies and bring it to myself. And I'm constantly surprised by how many people resonate with the idea of getting out of their comfort zone, as well as the importance of finding adventure every day. I think a lot of times, you know, in business literature and, you know, in modern culture, we talk a lot about the power of creativity. And some people resonate with creativity and other people will say, you know, I'm an accountant, I'm not a creative person. But if you, but I find that people across all walks of life resonate with the idea of adventure. And 
when I talk to most people, most people believe that they have an adventurer within themselves and that as they've grown up or as they've gotten conditioned to business or life or being a grown up or being cynical, they've lost that spirit of adventure inside. And people are really starting to look to reclaim that in a sense and wanting to bring out that adventurous, playful spirit and and do it in a way that feels productive. So I think there's a desire for adventure. I think there is a desire to for people to get out of their comfort zones and try new things. And that can be hard to do. You know, we're often met with our own resistance when we try to do new things. And when I look at the world right now and I look at how digitally connected we are, we're hyper-connected digitally, but the loneliness epidemic is huge. I think the U.S. Surgeon General said it was the biggest health epidemic in the United States right now, which is fascinating to me. So I think that serendipity in some sense helps assuage people's loneliness because it gives us an excuse to connect both to ourselves, to other people, and even to a larger purpose. Mm-hmm. And there's something about your journey of, you know, you said you lost connection and then you, you regain that connection, your spirit of spontaneity, you're, you're connecting to your authentic self. So there was something in that energy, that vibration, that that's also what people are looking for, you know, because you connected to you and created something, you're allowing, giving everyone else permission to do that as well. That's a great point. And people really seem to resonate with the story as well. I want to do that. Or, (laughs) whoa, it's so crazy that you did that. I can't believe it. And people tend to be, it's interesting the way the business has grown. uh, People tend to come in and want to help. And those people who come in and want to help are people who have been stuck and, you know, appreciate the story of getting unstuck and want to work on something that, helps other people kind of get get out of their comfort zones as well. So I think about different ways that the business has grown over the past few years. It's been serendipitous encounters with people who have said, you know, like, I just got a divorce and this really resonates with me. Or, you know, I just lost a parent and I just went on this crazy life-changing trip and I'm trying to figure things out. And I know that you did this as well. So there is that human connection that underlines all of it, I think. Yeah, and I'm really feeling that that's, that's marketing now. Like, you know, I, I have a similar background as you in, in consulting, and there was a time where it was always strategizing, you know, thinking about your audience and what do they want, but there is something that's happening now amongst the creatives and the people who are living their authentic selves and creating from this pure place that there's a whole other energy that is just so attractive and that people want more of. And it's almost like this is the new way of reaching people. It's your radiant body. You're putting out your good vibes that that's what people are attracting to versus trying to be salesy or marketing, so to speak. Absolutely. And I remember when I was starting the company, I was talking to a friend who was a marketing consultant and you know, I think having the business be very connected to my own personal story, there, there's an inherent vulnerability with sharing what you're doing and what you're going through. And I found myself wanting to be on the glossy side of it, of being like, and everything's cool now. And you too can find joy and connection and happiness. And she really encouraged me to share, share the darker moments of it as well. And to share 
yes, I was stuck and it sucked and it was scary and this helped. And, you know, it doesn't mean that everything's perfect now necessarily, but these are tools to kind of work through that stuckness on a daily basis. And that was really interesting to be able to share the darkness as well as the light and to be really authentic in feelings and stories and connecting with people. Because I found the more that I connected from that place of challenge and struggle and working through it, the more people started to share their own journeys with me as well. Mm-hmm. And it, tell us, is there any other kind of example from those dark sides, like a, something that didn't happen the way you thought it would or a quote, you know, failure? How has that been a driver and a teacher for you? It's really interesting. Um, I sort of pivoted on my definition of it because there's sort of like two mindsets that you can have. You can have a fixed mindset or a growth mindset and a fixed mindset sees everything as binary success or failure and a growth mindset sees everything as fuel for creativity or fuel to be able to learn and grow and change. And when I get into the binary sort of fixed mindset of I failed, that was a bad decision. It doesn't allow me to grow in the way that I find productive necessarily. So nothing has gone the way that I expected it to. (laughs) Just suffice (laughs) to say that. Um, And oftentimes things have happened in a much bigger way or a much more surprising way. And I found it's this this balance of holding an intention and holding um, sort of a desire for what I want to create, but then also being open to how the business can change, how I can change, how circumstances can change and doing this dance between clarity and intention and openness. And an example of that, I guess, would be Right about when I was starting the business, I was still working in consulting and I'd moved to Singapore and I could look at that year of my life as maybe a failure, right? Like moving to Singapore by myself maybe was not the best decision, but I had so many incredible experiences and I met so many people who changed my life and I learned so much about myself as well as, you know, the light side and the dark side. And I learned how to make anywhere home. Because I think working in Singapore, you're often on a plane, you're never really home. And, you know, I learned to create home in an entirely new country, which I think was a big part of my personal serendipity journey and resulted in, you know, I guess I would say, I call it my nervous breakthrough, if you will, Um, you know, of really working myself to the bone and looking at that pattern within myself of why am I working so hard? Why am I putting so much pressure on myself to the point that my health is failing um, in order to really explore that side of myself and to build a more balanced life in Los Angeles? So I guess I could say that was a failure in the sense of moving around the world, you know, compromising my health, doing all of these things. Or I could say it was an experience that really helped me grow and was critical to the decisions that I make today. Mm -hmm. You've always considered yourself a creative and an innovator. Share with us the where, when, how that solid foundation was built. Yeah, I guess I've always, I mean, I've always been creative as a kid. Um, I loved art. I loved painting. I used to start little businesses that always failed. So my first failure was probably my wax business at seven years old, where I would go door to door and sell pieces of colored wax to the neighbors. Um, You know, (laughs) 
<laughs> it was a really good value proposition, but I always remember, you know, selling it for one cent and the Petersons gave me a dollar. So, you know, I made, I made my, my year of revenue in about <laughs> two minutes. It was the most exciting moment of my life. I was like, they gave me a dollar. This is so great. My parents were like, what are you doing? Are you going door to door selling pieces of colored wax to people? So um, my entrepreneurial journey started early. <laughs> and, you know, I did things like I created a fashion magazine when I was, gosh, I must have been nine or 10. And, you know, I used to write magazines and I used to write articles and I used to do, for some reason, I was really curious about people and their identity and creating content that would help them sort of explore that. And, I think it started to culminate when I was about 15 or 16. I was actually at that time in my life, I was diagnosed with lupus and, you know, I was young. Most of the people who I met who had been diagnosed with lupus were much older and in a very different part of life. And I was going through being a teenager. I was a little bit rebellious in the sense that I was into punk rock and counterculture and spent all my afternoons at, you know, clubs downtown listening to music and no one told me how to navigate that being being sick you know like my questions when I was going through this illness were really about who am I what am I supposed to do as a girl like what happens if I want to go on a date with someone like am I even allowed to date someone if I'm going through this illness how do I talk to my friends about it how do I um you know have a play date or a sleepover, whatever it is. Um, and those are the questions I started to ask myself. And I started to realize that maybe other young women who'd been diagnosed with an autoimmune disease might have the same questions. So I created, actually, my senior project in high school, a book about being diagnosed with lupus and how to deal with it when you're under 20 years old. And that, I think, was sort of maybe the first step into taking my personal experiences, my intellectual curiosity, and my creative output, because I made it into this really cute, creative, pretty book, and started to share that with people. And I started to find a real catharsis from being able to help others who might be going through a similar struggle. So when I think about that connected to serendipity and sort of my career of building brands and building products for big companies. Like I've always wanted to solve problems for other people. And I've always wanted to be able to connect the personal things that I'm exploring and looking at and see how they can help and serve others. Yeah. And that's a great point for any, any listener who's, you know, considers themselves, well, I'm not creative, but you know, what you just shared, it's, it's the curiosity. It's the wanting to help other people. It's, you know, sometimes when we think of creativity, it's not, yes, it's about us, but it's also about what comes through us and how we can help other people. So I think that's, that's great advice for someone out there who's saying to themselves, well, I was never creative as a kid, or I'm not creative now. Right. And I think creativity is, you know, it's the habit of doing things differently. And you can be a accountant. I don't know why I keep using accountants as uncreative people because they are quite creative when you think about how they put numbers together. Anyone can be creative, you know, and anyone can be adventurous. I think it's just that shifting of an attitude towards curiosity and adventure and wanting to learn more. I you know, I look at my accountant, for example. Um, he is a, a very accountanty accountant, uh, but also quite creative and interesting and curious and passionate about what he does. So I think to your point, 
it's a it's something that can be accessed within us and it takes a little bit of curiosity it takes a little bit of bravery maybe getting out of our comfort zones and i think sometimes even bringing in the spirit of of leisure into what we're doing so i think about even working with big corporations and thinking about people who are in very structured roles you know they would be knitting on the weekend and have this passion for knitting. And I remember talking to one woman and being like, well, what, like, what is that all about? Like, what do you love about knitting? You know, she's like, I just love making things and I love making things for other people. And I love, you know, seeing this yarn turn into kind of a web of fabric. So there was a really interesting connection between that and how she wanted to create a tangible thing and what she was doing in this big company. And when she started reframing what she was doing as oh, I am creating something that's going to impact consumers directly, or, you know, I'm actually in the process of making something. It really opened up her perspective and how she perceived herself as a creative and curious person. Mm -hmm. So cool. So when you hear the words pure creative force, what does that mean to you? How would you describe it in terms of how it works within yourself? I keep seeing a waterfall for some reason, you know, it's just sort of uh, something that is greater than me that I, as an individual surrender to. So um, I feel like pure creative force is something that, that comes, that comes through me and comes through us. And it's something that we can either choose to serve or not serve. I think there is a really great quote from big magic by Elizabeth Gilbert it's a great book on creativity and magic and um, sort of the, the creative force. And there's a great piece in there when she talks about an idea and how ideas circulate in the ether or in the universe or in consciousness, uh, whatever it is, um, and they choose you. And an idea will come to visit you. And unless you serve that idea, it will go on to find someone else. So I think there's it's a really interesting balance between the ideas that visit and then the ideas that you choose to serve. And I believe pure creative force is something that I surrender to, but I also have to do work around as well. So it's not something that an idea can just come to me and, you know, it grows and builds, but I have to put work into it and I have to serve the idea. And I found for me, when Saren Flippity started to take off was when I started to see the business not as an extension of myself, but as an entity or a thing that I was put in a position to serve and grow and explore. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if that answers the question about pure creative force. Oh, absolutely. Awesome. Completely. Yeah. And it's a, it's a relationship, an idea and pure creative force is a, is a relationship and it's sort of a, a dance between between two things, right? The idea comes to visit, and it's like, okay, like, do you want me to stick around? Are you, are you going to take care of me? And um, you know, kind of like, okay, idea, I'm going to take care of you, and like, let's see where this grows and how it evolves, or um, you know, not the idea for me, and it moves on to someone else. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if that's actually true, but I like the visual of it, and I like the idea of being curious and being creative with an idea, because I think even with Serendipity, I thought. I thought it was going to be one thing and I thought I knew what I was building and going back to that earlier conversation about sort of intention and openness, being able to 
get to know it and think about, okay, like, who do you want to be as a business? And how can I best serve you? And what partners can I bring in? And where should we go? And how can I help this business be the, the fullest expression of itself is something that's sort of helped me to navigate roadblocks as well as see opportunities that I might have might have otherwise written off. Mm-hmm. How do you master the polarity of doing the work and being open to allow? So for me, what's really worked is I make every big decision in 90-day experiments. So if I have a hunch about something, and it's actually serendipity started with 90 adventures in 90 days, and I built the business when I decided to go from a project to a product, I said, let's see what happens if I put my heart and soul into this for 90 days. Mm -hmm. And that's the way I've been making decisions over the past five years, probably. And what that does is it allows me to have things be an experiment and have things be an exploration versus having to be something that I'm definitely doing. Because I think, I think the right answers emerge. And it's something that my mother has always told me, you know, you know, (laughs) don't force it. The right thing will emerge. You'll, you'll intuitively know what to do. And sometimes we need to give ourselves space to explore that. And for me, it's been creating these 90-day experiments. So I don't have to absolutely know what I want to do or where it's going to go. But if I do an experiment for 90 days, for some reason, it puts me in the mindset of curiosity, right? Because it's just an experiment. I can fail. It's fine, you know, and I can look back and get the information that I need. So um, that's a really helpful tip for me is to treat everything as a 90-day experiment. So if there's a listener who's like, I want to create a business or I don't know how to harness that pure creative force, you know, find one thing or one part of your life that you want to do that in and create a 90-day experiment around it and see what happens. Mm -hmm. And I check in with myself regularly. Like I look at the first 30 days. I go into the second 60 days and I get to the third, you know, 90 days. And by 90 days, I usually have an inkling of the next appropriate action to take. Mm -hmm. I find that really helpful. Um, I find a meditation practice really helpful as well, because it's always interesting to see what comes up in meditation um, when I clear my mind or, you know, sit with a clouded mind and just let things settle for a little bit think unexpected answers or hunches come up. So I find that's really helpful. I have a morning writing practice that I do as well, where I do a little bit of stream of consciousness writing and get things out on paper. And that can be really helpful too to sort of declutter. And I find, I guess the theme of this would be tools and practices to put my ideas and my preconceptions to the side so that something else or a different piece of inspiration or a different perspective can come in. Awesome. So great. And suggestion. also surrounding myself with skeptics too. That will probably be the last thing is, you know, not believing my own BS. Because uh, I think when you start a business and you do it by yourself, it's really easy to, you know, as a friend would say, co-sign your own bullshit. Knowing that creativity is beyond the intellect and it comes through when we connect to our spirit, our curiosity, the emotional, physical bodies, share with us a little of how you've experienced this creativity beyond the intellect, like feeling it in your body or coming through in emotions. 
Mm, that's a great question. And I think I do feel it in my body. I think sometimes I used to, I worked with a guy who was very non-woo, um, you know, was kind of a, a business consultant type of guy. This was years ago. And I always remember him saying when we would work on presentations together and he was my boss at the time, so I'd bring him something and he'd look at it and he'd read it and he'd be like, this is good. You know, this is really smart. This is great. He's like, but I'm not getting chills yet. Mm -hmm. I need to get chills. And finally, you know, when I present something to him, he'd say, oh, chills, I have chills. That's when he knew it was good. And I've adopted that mentality myself. Uh, when I have an emotional response to something or if I get chills from an idea, then I know it is way beyond the intellect. So I think it can be a physical response. I think it can be an emotional response. And sometimes it's just greater than what you could plan, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So I would find with serendipity, it, it became a compulsion. It became the idea that would wake me up at two in the morning and sort of tap me on the shoulder and be like, we have, we have to work on this. Like, come on, come on, let's go. Um, instead of me forcing it to happen, it was something that, you know, was just so in my I don't know if it's like in my DNA or, or what it was, but it just became this thing that I had to do and I had to work on. It was a calling of sorts. So, um, you know, I spent a lot of time in the past coming up with ideas around businesses with friends and they would be things that I felt like I needed to do or I should do, or this was a good market fit or a great strategic idea or an idea you could raise money around. But it wasn't the idea that woke me up at two in the morning, if mm -hmm. that makes sense. So I think there is something about surrendering to an idea, allowing it to happen, listening to it, and then also allowing myself to have those full body responses of, I know something is good if I intellectually agree with it and I have a head nod, but I know something is great when I have a full body response or I get chills or, um, it brings people out of their shell in some way. Mm -hmm. And on the flip side too. So, you know, during the times in, in your life when you were stuck or just didn't feel good, that was also listening to your physical body too. Absolutely. And I've become more aware since I live in Los Angeles and we're in a very woo community where people are doing <laughs> lots of interesting things and great things is really actually being able to see how emotions come up in my body. Mm -hmm. And looking back on times where I completely ignored my body of, uh, you know, living in Singapore, for example, and just working all the time. And I remember at the time joking that my life was held together by coffee and deadlines, and sort of joking about it, but it was actually true. And my <laughs> body was breaking down. And it was a really interesting juxtaposition between having been in India and traveling all over by myself and eating street food and doing all these things and not getting sick to being in the cleanest country in the world and ending up in the emergency room three times with physical ailments. So that was the start of listening to my body. It's like it kind of gives us the, the yellow light and then the red light and then it pulls the emergency brake. So now I think through building a business that's about adventure and sort of connecting with yourself and connecting with others, it's pushed me to connect with myself as an individual and as a leader and a woman more. And part of that is listening to my body and looking at like, Ooh, I'm really tight right now. Like I literally have a pain in my neck. What, you know, 
what's going on there? Is there something I need to look at? And being able to remedy things in in smaller ways versus letting it mount up. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. the clearer yeah. I am, the more that pure creative force can flow through me. And the more blocked I am and the more I'm holding on to things, I'm blocking that force and I'm blocking productivity and creativity. Where do you go or or how do you access creative inspiration? Is there a daily routine or any suggestions and things that you could share with us? Yeah, I think the go-to answer would probably be, you know, read these 10 blogs. And I have been in a place of moving away from these transformation, self-help, biohacking, improve your life blogs, because (laughs) I kind of just want to be right now. I spent a lot of time looking at how I can grow and how I can improve and doing all of those things. And I believe it's really important. But I also believe uh, what I started to find for me is I was in a lack of self-acceptance. Like I was always trying to grow and improve and um, be better and faster and smarter and stronger. And like, what if I was okay with myself as I am right now? Mm -hmm. And for me, the inspiration instead of those places right now is coming, is coming through different people. And it's coming through people that I meet in my social life, people I meet in Los Angeles, people I meet in business, people I meet through serendipity around the world and really connecting with where they are as humans, you know, and finding inspiration from that. So um, probably a bit more human inspiration versus intellectual or purpose-driven inspiration. I find a lot of inspiration in nature as well. So hiking, going to the beach, I think places where I feel surrendered mm-hmm. in a sense, where I feel I can feel a sense of awe and I can feel a sense of smallness and remembering, you know, how big and majestic this world is and how I'm a part of something greater and, you know, a thread in a much larger fabric that gives me inspiration. So um, probably more unexpected ways like that and meditation as well. And really just being quiet and connecting to the essence of, you know, what is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Those are great tips. So serendipity, it's all about helping people flip their day from ordinary to extraordinary. What are some of the stories you've heard from the card flippers and how they're shifting their lives with just taking one small adventure? Is there, are there any fun stories you can share with us? Absolutely. So they're definitely good, fun stories about people meeting attractive men while they're traveling and falling <laughs> in love and having adventure flings, which is always really important. I do want to have a serendipity baby as a key KPI for the business. <laughs> like if someone gets pregnant from these cards, I'll know I have succeeded. Um, but on a more serious note, one thing that's been really interesting from interviewing users is talking to them about how these cards and, you know, we've been doing an experiment around using text messages to help people get out of their comfort zones and create adventure every day. Um, Is that one little action or doing one action today is helping people with anxiety and depression, Mm. which is something that I didn't expect. And I started to interview users about that. And they would talk about how these actions became an excuse for them to do something different. Mm. And one woman especially talked about her social anxiety and, you know, battling with depression over the years and said, you know, 
one thing that I found that's really helpful is I just need to do one little action that's different, right? It's sort of like the gateway action of, you know, am I going to stay in bed under my covers all day and do the same things that aren't necessarily working? Or am I going to do one little thing that's different? And as she started talking about it, she said, you know, doing one little thing that was different, whether it was um, she did one flip where she had to switch roles with her best friend and they all had to make decisions for each other for the day. And she decided to switch roles with her mom. She said, my mom's my best friend. And we spent the day together and I let her make all the decisions for me and I made all the decisions for her. And there was something that was really freeing and empowering about that. And having that one decision or that one thing to do led her to the next positive action, which led her to the next positive action. So I think sometimes with, you know, perceived happiness or, you know, what we think we want, we think it has to be a big, life changing, you know, huge programmatic shift where actually, it's one action at a time and one good action begets another good action, which begets another good action. And before you know it, you're doing something completely different. That is so powerful. I mean, that, that piece of advice, one little action at a time, just doing something different, it's so easy and it can lead to such dramatic and, and transformational change. Amazing. Yeah. And I have a habit, which has really helped me with my own anxiety where I buy coffee for a stranger once a week. Like that's been the flip that for me, I don't know. It's the one that I still find scary years later. You know, you have to turn to the person behind you and be like, this is kind of awkward, but I buy coffee for someone every Wednesday. It's usually every Wednesday. I made my own coffee this morning. So I will go out for tea this afternoon and buy someone a tea. But there is something for me that shifts and gets me out of my own thinking because I'm usually, if I'm in line getting coffee, I'm usually thinking about myself. I might be checking Instagram. I might be thinking about some sort of, you know, self-centered fear, to be totally honest. And by turning to a person behind me and saying, you know, can I buy your coffee this morning? It gets me out of myself and it changes my energy and it changes them too. I've had so many cool experiences from that that have fundamentally shifted my day and it's become a muscle that I still need to exercise and work out. So I think if anyone's feeling stuck and listening, just buy coffee for someone behind you or a tea if you don't drink coffee or a snack um, once a week and see what happens. I love it. And I have to share, um, I have the serendipity cards and for our wedding, my entire family from the East Coast came out to California and I stuck a card in each of their little goodie bags. And I my, love it. My aunt is, um, she's the one in the family that can talk to anybody and she's very comfortable and she got the card, invite a stranger to dinner. And we were on the bus to Disney and she's looking at me. She's like, I have this card. I have to use it. I'm nervous. I don't know if I can do this. And it was like, Lynn, you're the most outgoing, friendly person. And she struck up a conversation with the woman next to her and invited her to dinner. And we had the whole bus laughing. It was just, <laughs> it was so much fun. It's, it's just like, even just making that connection, stepping out of your comfort zone. It's like, you never know what you can create. It's true. And I think um, one thing that I love to remember, which just reminds me of as well, is that, you know, when we get out of our own way and we get out of our own self-centered fear, we can bring joy to others, right? And then sometimes it's just our fear that 
can prevent us from cre- not only creating a great moment for ourselves, but creating a moment that's going to make an entire bus laugh, you know, or is going to make this woman be like, oh my goodness, this is bananas. A stranger just invited me to dinner and thinking about the impact that your actions have on another person. And you know, you never know what someone's going through and you never know how like one little thing can shift someone else's perspective, shift your own perspective. And I think when we shift our own perspectives too, we bring something different to everyone else that we, that we touch or that we encounter. Absolutely. I love that story. That is so funny. <laughs> we had a good time with the cards. <laughs> oh, it's great. I'm so happy to hear that. What are you most proud of creating? Oh, that is a good question. I think I'm pretty proud of creating serendipity, I guess. Um, I'm proud of creating a life that feels engaging and challenging and exciting and is a reflection of my purpose as an individual, I guess. Um, So I think part of that is probably feeling proud of letting go of, you know, an amazing career with incredible people, but one that ultimately wasn't working for me that took, I think, a lot of bravery and surrender and curiosity and moments crying in the car and being like, what am I doing? Where am I going? And continually showing up to the unknown and the uncertain. And as a result, I think the business is something that has resulted out of that. So sometimes when you know, I look at, I have a deck of the cards in front of me right now. And I think about them, you know, in stores and bringing joy to people or bringing inspiration. I feel really excited that this crazy little trip that was just an adventure to get out of my comfort zone and 90 handwritten challenges from friends turned into something that is being sold around the world and is bringing joy and connection to people. Mm, so amazing. What three pieces of advice or the most important insights do you have for listeners who either want to go on a, an adventure or just be more creative in their life? Three pieces of advice. I think the first would be choose 90 day experiments, uh, even to make hard and fast decisions of I'm going to start a business. I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Try it as a 90-day experiment. Uh, so that's a piece of advice. Um, I think be open to non-binary possibilities. I think when I started the business, and it's still something that I explore within myself, is I, a lot of times I think things are in either or, right? Like I either have to have this job or I start a business. I either have to be independent or I have to be in partnership. And it can be a binary choice where oftentimes there's a both and, and it just takes a little bit of time to emerge. So I think be open to embrace possibilities and get curious. And it can start with talking to someone who you think you know really well. I remember doing this with my dad a few years ago and getting really curious about his childhood and his life and where he came from and what led him to make decisions and it completely changed my perspective on, on him, you know? So I think curiosity is a really powerful tool, especially with things that we think we already know. And I realize that probably seems 
a little bit tangential to starting a business or being creative, but it's the principle of being willing to be open to new possibilities with things that we think we already know and learning to have empathy and understanding around things and places where we may have built walls. And the more that I find that I can tear down those walls or tear down preconceived notions or things that I think I know is certain, which can be very uncomfortable at times is that's where I find the breakthrough. And I guess maybe a 3B to that or, or a, a four would be um, be willing to embrace discomfort. And a friend of mine has a great analogy where he talks about, you know, if we, if we were doing, um, you know, muscle repetitions, but not at the gym, right? Like if we were just in everyday life and our muscles started burning as we're lifting weights, we would say, oh my gosh, like, I don't want to do this. This is painful. This is scary. This is horrible. Like, oh my God, I'm going to die. But when we do it in the containment of a gym, or we know the purpose of why we're doing it, we know that the burn in our muscle is something that is making us stronger. So for me, sometimes I choose to reframe things as being in an uncomfortable situation or being in uncertainty. Like, yeah, being entrepreneurial and being creative, there's so much uncertainty. Um, Choosing to see it as repetitions in the gym versus free-floating pain and what is happening to my arm? I don't understand why it's burning versus, okay, like I'm, I'm showing up to this. I'm getting stronger. I'm learning something about myself. My nervous system is expanding. My resilience is growing. Like this is a test to see how I handle this. And then the next thing's going to come in. Um, so I would say that as well. Great, great pieces of advice. And I'll add a fifth one. Pick yeah. up a deck of the Serenflippity cards. Ah! <laughs> they are amazing and available on Amazon. Where else can listeners find them? Uh, so they're on Amazon. They're in anthropology stores. They are on walmart.com and they are in lots of bookstores and boutiques. Awesome. And is there any other way folks can connect with you? Any events coming up or um, are you looking for ideas for the kind of the next version I, of the cards? I am always curious to hear people's ideas. So yeah, anyone can email me. It's Cara, C-A-R-A at serenflippity.com. And I love hearing from people. I love hearing about people's struggles and journeys and how they're getting unstuck. And if I can be helpful in any way, I am always up to chat. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Kara, for joining me in this conversation. Thank you for having me. This You're is such... so inspiring. I love the question. <laughs> You're such an inspiration. And it's just a joy to learn more about serendipity and your process and how you created this amazing tool to really connect with people and help people connect to their, their pure creative force. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you, Cara Thomas, for sharing your insights and wisdoms on the Pure Creative Force podcast. Grab a deck of serendipity cards and have an adventure today. Be sure to share your experiences with Cara and her team. Visit serendipity.com. That's S-E-R-E-N-F-L-I-P-I-T-Y.com. Thanks for joining us on the Pure Creative Force. Be inspired and go create something new today. And if you enjoy the captivating mantra music, check out our featured musical artist, Osley. That's O-S-L-E-E underscore music 
on Instagram.